Welcome to Energy Radio. This week we talk about boilers and hydrogen and all things thermal as it relates to decarbonizing our thermal needs, our steam needs, our hot water needs. And let's just jump right in. Today I'm very pleased to have as a guest uh, a longtime uh, friend and partner with CEM on many projects. Uh, today I have Paul Brown, who is the Vice President of industrial water tube custom boilers i think i butchered that paul but uh <laughs> paul's with cleaver brooks and he's with us today paul welcome to energy radio thank you matt definitely glad to be here there, yeah. there's a few few bucket list things in our industry and this is one of them wow you're yeah yeah good well i'm, I'm glad to, to have you and is this your first podcast it is it okay is, yeah. great great well we love we love it when it's people's first time because uh, then they then they don't know what to expect and we get a real unvarnished <laughs> uh, unvarnished uh, version of, of them so i know you well and and have gotten to know you well over the years and we've done some fun projects together but our listeners may not know you so if you could paul give us an introduction to who you are uh, and kind of what brings you to this space in the market and then I uh, would ask you to introduce uh, Cleaver Brooks. And, and I think there's a cool history there as well in terms of, you know, the different companies kind of coming together. So so maybe if if, you, if you'll indulge us, kind of give us that history second. So, so yours first, Cleaver second. Good enough. You know what? I, I listen to your podcast. I'm always interested in how people got into our industry. That's always, uh, you know, I think a, kind of an afterthought, but it's always fascinating to me. Um, right. And, and some of them are really crazy routes, um, English majors, for example, but I got to admit, I, I was kind of born into it. It uh, Growing up, I, I was lucky to have a, a great dad who was in operations in a, in a utility power plant. Um, and so he would come home at night and sit around the dinner table and talk about boilers and turbines and crusty engineers from Germany. And it, uh, and, you know, as most kids, I didn't listen all that well, but luckily some of that passion for the equipment and, and especially the people in our industry managed to sink in a little bit somehow. Did so you get it, to visit your dad at work ever? You know, I got to admit, I, uh, so part of the, the small town experiences, I spent several summers working at the power plant. Okay. And it, uh, so my role was things like painting walls and mowing weeds. Excellent. But it was so cool looking back yeah, that it, yeah, uh, yeah. I got to mow weeds around a power plant for crying yeah. out loud. <laughs> and what part? What part of America was that? In, here in the Midwest, so oh, in, in Nebraska, we have okay, a big right coal-fired on. power plant. So yeah. cool. Yeah, it was quite an experience. Um, so went to college, um, got a degree in mechanical engineering, and uh, as I came out of that. You know, it, I can't say that I, I was going, hey, I got to get into the package boiler business. But uh, luckily, Nebraska Boiler at that time here in Lincoln, Nebraska, was was looking for an engineer. And uh, and I was looking for that first job. And so joined up and uh, and literally haven't left the industry since. <laughs> love it. I love it. it uh, yeah. So I, I was with Nebraska Boiler for a number of years and then. As we'll talk a little bit about Cleaver Brooks, they they purchased Nebraska Boiler while I was there, um, and then as you know, I, I spent uh, a number of years with another excellent boiler manufacturer, and have recently kind of came home or returned right. back uh, to the crowd here with the same facility that I started at right out of college, and so I've been back here for seven years. So that's cool. It, 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 what what strikes me about your story is is you know that. A couple things that I've I've picked up along the way in our space is that you know, many people uh, grow up in the space. I, my my story is 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 similar. I tell of you know family vacations and and a day trip to the local hydroelectric facility because that was the industry my old man was involved in and and so so I just I just love that that there's there's kind of that that generational piece. It, you know, I, I mean, generational can cut both ways sometimes, but in this case, you know, a good way. And then. And then the the other piece, the other reminder of your story to me was how our industries are often, you know, pretty small and and how important it is to conduct yourself in a way that's, you know, doesn't burn bridges and, and, and you know, treats everybody with respect and kindness because you never know, you know, you might be working 
uh, across the table now and and in two years you might be on the same side of the table or or vice versa right so yeah. you, you know you, you and your story kind of epitomizes that so uh very cool so so love that and then you know kind of maybe give us a, a brief history of of cleaver brooks and how kind of you know all of the the pieces kind of weave together you bet you bet so you know i i tell the story of cleaver brooks really from a from a lincoln nebraska standpoint um and we are here in lincoln we're the industrial water tube boiler division at cleaver brooks um and kind of the cool thing is we've been been doing it here in lincoln nebraska for just over 100 years so we uh two years ago we celebrated 100 years of being wow. in business here in lincoln That's so awesome. yeah that was pretty cool it uh you know it's it, it's amazing how many people even in lincoln don't necessarily know we're here but it uh, we've been here a long time cool. um so then, you know, Cleaver Brooks is obviously who we are, um, and Cleaver has has been in business for almost a hundred years. Um, and then the the kind of the two came together again while I was here as a fairly young man, um, when Cleaver Brooks purchased Nebraska Boiler. Uh, so that would have been in the the late nineties. Um, and so you know, the thing about Cleaver Brooks is. They do a lot of stuff, and it's all boiler. You know, it's right, it. Right. Uh, they, they I, I still find it amazing, even after being back here for for seven or eight years, that I learn the things that we do as a corporation um, in in the boiler sector. And so, you know, we build everything from boilers that fit through the the door. You know, something that you could almost pick up and move, but fits. The larger size of Cleaver Brooks, which is our industrial water tubes that you know can be 20 feet tall and and almost that wide and it uh, and definitely don't fit through a door. Right, so. right. And and is it fair that you know the Cleaver Brooks um, brand was more the smaller commercial kind of fire tube? uh stuff whereas w when they bring in the basketball that's the the bigger industrial stuff is that in in general is that kind of where the how, how the organization grew when they acquired you they got you know bigger in their technology yeah you know it it uh, that's definitely a perception and it uh, the thing with nebraska boiler is we were we were just water tube okay. um and cleaver brooks you know their their specialty you know this I, I'm, I look forward to the day when I say it's their specialty is here in Lincoln, Nebraska, but I have to admit that their specialty is, is the fire tube line. It's been around forever and they, we just, we build so many of those for so many people. Um, and so with Cleaver Brooks buying Nebraska boiler, it was kind of a, a common sense thing that one didn't replace the other, but it really, it brought the two together uh, and just gave it another huge chunk in that right. boiler market. Yeah. Now, now, where does um, when I, I also think of, and I think it's connected to ERI. I think it was Energy Recovery <laughs> International. Where does that fit? Yeah, in you know what? So, so ERI. So, yeah, we do. I say we build packaged water tube boilers here in Lincoln, but we build two two kind of different lines. One is our fired line, which is you know a boiler with a burner on the front, um, and then we also do our our hrsg market and so we'll talk a little bit more about that but that's the the product line that usually gets its heat off of a gas turbine exhaust uh, or a recip engine in some cases uh some waste heat and so that that <laughs> even though they're the same same water tube concept um uh, they're different boilers i mean you, you couldn't mistake one setting beside the other one Right. And so that really came into the picture in the mid eighties and that's Nebraska boiler purchased, uh, energy recovery international or ERI. And so, you know, I, I still throw that name out there and, and I get a lot of blank stares anymore. Um, but if you, you know, if you, if you get out there in the, in the field, you run into a lot of boilers and people will look at the nameplate and go ERI. Yeah. So that, that's us too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that was the HRSG division of Nebraska Boiler, okay. and so when Cleaver Brooks bought that, it all it all came under the same umbrella. Got it. Yeah, and and that's it, the example you talk about is precisely why I ask. Is you know, cogen projects in, in particular, 
you know, when they're well designed, they run they run forever, right? And so if it, for anybody who's spent time walking around plants, you may see, you know, Nebraska boilerplate on a on a you know package boiler. You may see ERI, and it's it's cool to hear the story of where, where that legacy comes from and and how that's you know uh, tied together. So I appreciate you sharing that. And then the last kind of piece of the puzzle is, at some point, there's a decision to. And I don't I actually don't know if this is was a Nebraska decision or a, a Cleaver decision, but you decide to vertically integrate on the burner side as well. Yeah. So that that was a Cleaver Brooks decision. Okay. It, uh, okay. it came after the the acquisition of Nebraska Boiler. Um, but that was that was when they brought in Natcom. And so that's a, a burner technology that's out there. And, and you know, I I, I look back at uh at things that were have been done in our company, and I, I go, man, what a what a decision that must have been for somebody, it, obviously before me. But it, uh, it so what it really does is, you know, we build boilers with burners, whether it be duct burners or register burners, uh, hydrogen or liquid fuels or uh, about anything. And so to actually have that burner company as part of our company. Um, you know, it's it's just been key. It it just it, it gives us control over probably the most important part of the boiler. I uh, I, I make the joke in most meetings that uh, sometimes the boiler is just that big steel thing hanging on the front of the burner because the burner <laughs> tends to be the key, especially today with emissions requirements being what they are and totally safety, etc. So yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, we've had the pleasure of, of working with, uh, you know, many of, of the NATCOM techs, and particularly in commissioning of projects, right. And, and, you know, really skilled, uh, you know, technicians and engineers, and obviously, you know, as a, as a proud Canadian, uh, to have it as a, you know, originally a Canadian technology, that's a, that's a cool, um, you know, elements to the story as well. So indeed. Um, yeah, yeah, awesome. Well, th- thank you for kind of the overview and and you know the perspective on Cleaver. Um, you know, we we try to narrow the focus of the podcast uh, specific to kind of project development and and getting projects going and and all the things that contribute to that. And and maybe you know for the listeners' benefit, you know, for Cleaver Products as a essentially an OEM, uh, but it, but a very critical OEM to to. You know all projects that that you're involved in, whether it's just a boiler project or part of a broader CHP or waste heat uh, project. Um, you know, how do you find yourselves, you know, getting engaged, particularly in the project development, um, you know, cycle? And you know, what does that look like? How do you engage with either owners or engineers or EPCs? You know, how does that typically work? And and are there kind of some best practices that have come out of that? Yeah, you know, at that it's it's. An incredible part of our business, right? It's it's what kind of keeps you getting up in the morning. It uh, and it's changed over the last. Like I said, I've been doing this for a little over thirty years. You know, there was a time when we were just that. We built boilers, and somebody needed it, came to us and said, "We need a boiler." Um, but for so many reasons, and and part of it is is driven in the last several years by the green initiatives. We do just as a, as an equipment supplier play a much bigger role in the the project development phase. Um, and, you know, what we're finding, again, just to kind of focus on the the green part of it, is people are trying to do the right thing, it, uh, you know, with, with their energy needs. Um, but it's confusing, right? It's not uh, as much as I like to say we're kind of dinosaurs in the boiler industry. Things have just changed like crazy in the last five years, 10 years especially. Um, so you know what we find is we can be helpful. We're not we're not going to come in and develop a project for somebody that says, "Hey, we want to be greener," um, but we do play a part. And and so our our contribution is to, you know, be active in those upfront stages. Uh, you know, and and we find it interesting that sometimes it's end users, a lot of times it's EPCs or engineering firms. Um, you know, that there, there again, there's a concept and, and we can come in and say, this is what we see as reasonable technology, because that's, as you know, not, not everything that's talked about today ends up being reasonable. Um, and so, you know, so we do, that's a huge part of our job. And at Cleaver, we kind of, we take that on steroids. We've got, uh, you know, we start with local reps that are just excellent throughout the country. They're kind of the boots on the ground. 
so they do a lot of face-to-face -face with end users and engineering firms. Uh, but we find that the folks here in the factory, you know, we, we've had to staff up over the years to, to have that technology or, or yeah, the, the technology resources here for people as they put these projects together. Yeah. You know, again, there every once in a while, there's a project that we don't get involved up front in, and, and I say we boiler vendor of some sort, and it, I, I always feel like those projects suffer. <laughs> Not that we're saving the day or anything like that, but it, uh, but we do have some some things we love to share, and and we think we can can help folks out um, as they yeah. go through something that's kind of scary, yeah. Yeah, and you know, I think we we often talk about you know projects. A new boiler, a new cogen is is probably a once in a generation project, right? Unless unless you are, you know, someone like us who's doing multiple projects or a developer. If you are an industrial or a you know a large hospital or a university campus, you know you're you're probably only going to do one, right? Yeah. And so you know you want to get it right, and you know. We have our mantra in our office, even even though we are doing multiple all the time, is we don't have to know everything. We just have to know who to talk to, right? Like we are we are integrating systems. Our clients are are buying systems, but those the, that integration is is relying on some pretty key you know vendors. And and whether it's it's you guys or somebody else, like that 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 experience and your perspective on a project is different than ours. And so, and you're seeing way more projects than we are, right? So why wouldn't we benefit from, you know, what what value you guys have? Say, hey, have you thought about this? Or and and yeah. sometimes it's like, are you are you smoking dope? Like, you know, what, what, I know I know you guys are Canadian, but what are you doing up there? Like, you know, why why are you doing it that way, right? So yeah, that that, that repartee, that kind of back and forth, we have found has been very very helpful, and I think that's you know I think you're, you're you guys are seeing that, and and if you had your if you had your way, you'd always get involved early and often on projects. I, I do. I, I find it again fascinating, just the people side of this. But every once in a while, you end up with somebody that you you try to be helpful, and you can see them go, "Wait, wait, keep stay, stay away." You know. Right. And so it is. There's still some of that out there, but not as much as there used to be. Right. But, uh, yeah. We do see people going, "Hey, give us give us what you got." You know, we talk about everything's on the internet, but. For God's sakes, it's, everything's on the internet. You can't. That's too much to sort through. So it, uh, I, I always say, hats off to the people that do the Cleaver Brooks website because there's so much stuff, right? Right. And so yeah. if I just started there, I'd be lost. But right. talking to people and, and letting us share what we we at least think, not saying what we know, but it, uh, we think that always helps. You you reminded me of one of my favorite quotes from the the NBC sitcom The Office, where the the, the lead character, the the uh, the kind of blundering manager Michael Scott says, you know, I love Wikipedia. Anybody can edit it. It must be true, right? And and, and you're right. The internet is like <laughs> that. Like there's just so much out there. You don't yeah. you don't know what's what's you know. And context and kind of the broader information is so important, right? And so we we have really enjoyed. Obviously, the relationships with the reps, but really the 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 dialogue with yourself and Jason, Kimberly, and others over the years in terms of you know yeah. really getting the right you know the right design on the on the burner and on the boiler and and that kind of stuff. So yeah, we 100% agree. The earlier you can get involved, the earlier the if it's a cogen, the gas turbine you know vendor can get involved. You know, the better for everybody. So, uh, no, that's great. Let, let, let's transition to kind of the topic that we really wanted to get together on, uh, which is something nobody's talking about, um, which, which is which is which is hydrogen. So, um, I'm just going to tee that up and you know, kind of let you start, and then we'll we'll see where we go. But India. you know, hydrogen, obviously, that was tongue in cheek. Everybody's talking about it. Um, <laughs> And and I, I don't want to force the conversation, so I'm just going to stop and let you kind of wax philosophically, and then we'll see where we go on the topic of hydrogen as it relates to your world. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, hydrogen. You can't you can't go to a show or a trade show and not have people talking about it. You can't uh, tune into uh, a webinar. I mean, I, I've done so many of them myself. <laughs> but you know what I what I find is is there's a couple of messages from the boiler side. Um, and the, the cool thing that I'm just realizing is that the, the message wasn't the end-all message, that, that it's mm -hmm. changing. So our first message was, no problem. 
as boiler manufacturers, we've we've been burning hydrogen for years. Mm. And it it uh, you know the thing that we say is that it, it had nothing to do with carbon footprint in the old days. It was a plant, um, you know, a perfect example uh, up by Niagara Falls that yeah had that made a lot of hydrogen. And they said we're going to put in a boiler, and someday we may not want to put natural gas in it. We want to put hydrogen in it. So. We uh, we designed the system to burn 100% hydrogen, uh, and again they didn't they weren't too concerned about their their <laughs> carbon footprint. At, uh, but it, the good thing is we learned we learned what we needed to learn, and there there are things that uh, you know it, it's not the same. There's a lot of similarities, and it, luckily it's not a huge difference. But there are some things you want to you want to make sure you're paying attention to. Um, so again, our our first message that we we yelled was. We're ready, hundred percent. Right. You know, the turbine guys said we're we're ready at thirty percent. We're like thirty. We're hundred, and so <laughs> right. that that was that was kind of fun because people would be like, really? Heck yeah, heck yeah, hundred percent. Um. So that that again was was the fun message because nobody had a hundred percent hydrogen. Right. Right. <laughs> so we right. we could we could say it day in and day out, right? It. Uh, but now what we're seeing is is people are getting closer. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's definitely something we're seeing. And so we, we have to pay a lot more attention to some of the nuances um, to make sure we burn it safe uh, and efficiently. Um, right. You know, not just, hey, we've got it, we want to burn it, but how do we do it uh, wisely? Um, so and let's, again, let's, the, yeah, no, let's, let's, pa- let's pause there and nerd out for a little bit. You know, you got two, yeah. two mechanical engineers talking about <laughs> combustion of different gases. It's going to get, you know, let's make sure we push our glasses up our, our nose get ugly. For, further. Um, so let's get, get down to a bit of brass tacks and, and maybe compare it to natural gas, which is, you know, the, the, I mean, there are some people burning liquid fuels and, and you know, there's still some some solid fuel combustion happening, but but park that for a minute. Let's compare it against, you know, what most people are doing, which is natural gas. I mean, give us a, a quick, you know, I don't know if it's a, a chemistry lesson, but like the, the molecules are different and, you know, how are they different? And then how does that manifest itself in terms of combustion and what are we looking out for? Yeah, you know, and, and you're right, we're mechanical engineers. So I, I remember those chemistry classes, but <laughs> That's about it. I don't. Uh, so, but you know, there there are certain things, right? That that even I can remember that a uh, hydrogen molecule is small right. um, compared to a to a big natural gas molecule, and so that gives us a couple of things. One is that we we always talk about and pay attention to is that hydrogen burns a lot hotter than natural mm-hmm. gas. Okay. And so you know, a lot of people look at a flame and go, "Boy, it must be hot." But there is a difference between the temperature of a, a hydrogen flame and a natural gas flame. And so we want to pay attention to that. Um, hydrogen has, because of that small molecule, has a tendency to, to find leaks, find cracks. And so mm-hmm. there, there's a safety aspect of hydrogen uh, that we've always paid attention to with natural gas, but we have to pay more attention to it now. Um, you know, things, things like efficiency um even so you burn hydrogen you make you make a lot of moisture um and so if you were to compare the the efficiency between a natural gas boiler setting right beside a hydrogen boiler they look they look different especially here in north america we talk about higher heating value efficiency a lot yeah um and so it, it can be several percentage points different, higher for natural gas. Because when we burn hydrogen, we're leaving energy in, in the stack in the form of, of moisture. Like the, exactly. the, the, heat, the heat in the water. Really? I did not yeah, know that. Really? Yeah. So if we, you know, like the rest of the world, if we were to look at it on a lower heating value basis, they're actually about the same. And uh-huh. hydrogen tends to be a little bit higher even. Um, so, again, it, it's not... It's not earth shattering. It's not, boy, I'm not going to burn hydrogen because it's less efficient. Right. It's just it. We bring it up because sometimes people freak out when they go, wait a minute, that's <laughs> this is terrible. It, it's not. <laughs> right. It's not. It, uh, and when, so, you, so you mentioned the flame burns hotter, and I, I love I love your comment that you know everybody thinks the flames are are hot, and they, and they are. We're talking about hot and really hot. That's and, right. That's like right. we're describing, uh, you know, chicken wings. Um, but, but so it burns hotter, does it burn? And, and again, I'm no 
um, you know, combustion engineer. I, I'm, I'm amazed at, at people who are, and I just I love the, you know, it's that whole art and science kind of blends together at the, at the front of the flame. But, um, you know, does it burn? Is it a different shape, different length? Like if we're thinking of, you know, I'm thinking of the, the burner section and the evaporator section in a boiler. Without, you know, we're trying to find the right level of nerding out here. But, I mean, yeah. does the flame is the flames, you know, color, size, you know, is that different too? Yeah, you know, at combustion folks would they would have their own nerd out session on this, and and they would be able to say, yeah, I looked in the furnace, and I can tell it's a hydrogen flame compared to a natural gas flame. Um, I'm a little more about there's a flame in there kind right, of guy, right, right. but it uh, you know it does. So there are things we we want to pay attention to because that flame is different. You know, when we say it burns hotter, you know, you would think at a boiler maybe hotter is better. But you want to make sure that you don't overheat the furnace, especially right, in all right. I'll talk water tube boilers. Um, and, and, you know, again, from experience, because we've done this for years, what we found is that that flame would be hot enough at the front of the burner that it would tend to uh, reduce the life expectancy of some parts of the burner, okay. unless you paid really close attention to it. Um, there are literally, and, and again, you're right, I, I'm fascinated by combustion folks, but you can move that flame a little bit off of the the front of the burner and eliminate that problem. But if you yeah. don't, then right. then it it's you're introducing some maintenance because you're going to have to replace parts that usually you would not have had to have replaced. Um, so, yeah. you know, the the good thing is, even though it's a hotter flame, it we can fit it in the virtually the same boiler. You know, it, I I wish we could say here's your hydrogen boiler. Isn't it a lot more? cool and more expensive than your natural gas boiler, but it's not. It uh, No, you know, we, we've always had to make furnaces big to make a boiler last longer. And right. so that's just as important or maybe a little more important with hydrogen. Okay. Um, so now, things that we've about, always done. Yeah. And so, so one of the impetuses behind, um, you know, hydrogen is, is of course, uh, carbon emissions. But one of the things that isn't always talked about is, is how it affects NOx and SOx emissions. Um, yeah. Does that talk to us about that versus a, a you know a, a a good natural gas boiler with you know FGR and a you know good low NOx burner? Um, you know, is it different with hydrogen? You bet. It uh, and and that's a that's a big part of it. Again, I, I I say our first message was we can do this. Well, you know that almost made it sound too easy. It. Uh, the the fact is that there are complications that come with it, and the big one is is NOx. You know, when we talk about that temperature of the flame being hotter, um, and again, not to go too deep into this, but one of the the major sources of generating NOx is temperature, so it's thermal NOx, and okay. so as that flame is hotter, it it makes more NOx. So, if you put took the same boilers again, set them side by side, hydrogen and natural gas and you fired them to a certain BTU input, you're going to generate a lot more NOx fire and hydrogen. Um, and so, you know, like you said, the, the purpose is to get rid of the, the carbon, right? It uh, is for the environment. So cranking out more NOx is not, yeah. <laughs> is not yeah. a good answer. Right. Um, right. So, but it's, but, but it's, you know, I, I don't, I just want to elevate kind of the things to be thinking about, but, but on a net net basis, the, the benefits from, avoiding carbon emissions and, and neither of us i don't think are experts in the whole you know greenhouse gas space but i mean is the what are what are you guys kind of carrying forward as a message or what are you seeing in the industry in terms of you know the trade-off between okay higher NOx but much much lower ghg emissions um how, how are you you're working through that trade-off yeah you know the the good thing is we uh we have we have regulations, right? Right. <laughs> and I call it a good thing, even though we we scratch our heads sometimes. But it uh, so by going to hydrogen, one of the keys is we can't we can't put more NOx up the stack, even though we're generating more NOx. We uh -huh. we've got it. We got to take care of it. So it, uh, it, it the good news is that we generate more NOx, but we can reduce it. And so. Again, technology that we've been using for years, like SCRs, oh, okay. selective okay. catalytic reduction, does a great job of reducing NOx efficiently. Uh, even FGR is, is a, I mean, uh, the technology has been around longer than I have even, and it, uh, it's a great way to reduce thermal NOx. So we, we see that the NOx goes up because we're burning hydrogen, 
But if we we implement the technologies that we have, then we can keep that NOx back where it was before. Okay. And and so if I'm thinking about um, developing a project around hydrogen, what drives the need for it sounds like SCR is a technology that works, but it may not always be required. Like, or, or is it, hey, you're going to put hydrogen regardless of where you are, SCR is required? Because that's a big ticket item, right? It is. It is. You know, the, the thing is we're, we talk about hydrogen like we're, we're burning it every day. And, and, and as you know, the, that's one of our secrets. We're not. It, uh, it, it's, it's talked about a lot right now. Right. Um, so, you know, I would say what we see, the majority of the projects where you burn hydrogen, the NOx requirements are low enough, uh, kind of driven by where in the in the world uh, yes. the plant is, that we have to use SCR technology. Okay, okay. Um, it, it's not a, not a given. You know, we do, we would see hydrogen on some plants where the NOx is 30 ppm, and we could probably still get there with without an SCR. Got just it. using okay. some FGR. Okay. So, so it's so it's it's jurisdiction specific. Still, yeah, just like yeah. the old days. Yeah, just like the old days. Okay, and 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 the tight jurisdictions probably required an SCR of natural gas, anyways, right? <laughs> Very possible. Yeah, Very yeah. possible. Okay. And and you know that that technology, a message that we try to get, it's not as as scary as it used to be. You know, right. the the SCR, it uh, they're you know even people that you would say they don't want to have ammonia around. Boy, people are figuring that out. Uh, right. Urea is, is a great solution for that. And so, it uh, you know, I, I foresee us building more SCRs as, as right. time goes on, for sure. That's a question that I didn't have on my list and I don't know the answer to. Do, do you build your own SCRs? We do. You know, okay. so that that was part of the, the NATCOM package as well. Oh, so, okay. we do our own Lonox burners um, and ultra Lonox, but we do, we do build our own SCRs as well. Okay. And, you know, there's a couple of catalyst manufacturers out there that everybody uses, including right. us. But it, uh, again, that's that's kind of a key part because you don't want that to be wrong. It, right. Uh, right. So we we do like to to build those ourselves if we can and and keep that under our control. Cool. Let's talk about some of the safety considerations when you're burning hydrogen. I mean, I've I've always admired. You know, if you think about a burner management system, you know, and what that really is doing and all the safeties and checks and um, what are those? I'm going to show my ignorance here, but what are those drawings, you know, that are tied to this? There's a, I don't know, there's, anyways, there's a, there's a whole, but there's a whole school of engineering Indeed. And, and a key package, you know, key part of the project is, you know, Taking this this design from from you folks on the BMS and going to the in, in our case in Ontario the TSSA or in Alberta, ABSA or you know other governing bodies around safety, and so so the bar you know I think is already pretty high as it relates to safety around boilers. But is there are there things that you're doing differently or you know are are there things that you're doing with hydrogen that you don't have to do with natural gas or vice versa? Maybe it's maybe inherently safe safer. I don't know. Talk to us about the safety piece. Yeah, you know that that's that's one of those things that I, I find again fascinating because it's evolving. It uh, you're right, boilers, you know, ABMA, ASME, they they were created to keep boilers from blowing up and hurting people. Um, in fact, we we had a customer just within the last couple of weeks that called up and said, "Hey, we we hired a consultant and they they gave us this graphic of if the boiler blows up, this is it was kind of a, like an impact." picture or graphic, um, which I've never seen in 30 years. And it, uh, so we had to explain of all of the stuff, you know, going back to the very basics of what we do as an industry to be safe. And it, it, it was kind of a good reminder to go shit. Everything we do is focused on that. Right. (laughs) uh, And so why I say it's evolving with hydrogen is, is it's, there are more risks. uh, And, and again, it kind of goes back to the, uh, what I talked about with the molecular size and, and the fact that it can leak easier. Um, and so, you know, there's, we've seen for years, some of the area classifications uh, in places where hydrogen was, was prevalent, you know, whether it was a hundred percent or part of a hydro or a refinery fuel. Uh, so that was kind of the first step to say, yeah, we need to, to implement 
a little more strange or stringent uh, requirements for area classification. But I, I think I think we're going to see that evolve even more. That uh, that some of the NFPA is talking about things that uh, are more more just applicable to hydrogen because they see it playing a bigger role going forward. So right. yeah, it's definitely a, a huge concern across the board. Yeah, and I think you know it bear it bears mentioning that. You know, to, to make progress on all of our environmental concerns and our climate goals, you know, it, it requires us to take on and mitigate a level of risk as we do new things, right? And so, you know, because I don't, I hear you and and, and I think you're 110% right around, you know, the, 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 there is a heightened level of risk, but that doesn't mean we should do it, right? Like, and that's what you guys are, you guys are saying too, is we know how to mitigate this risk. We're going to, we're going to figure it out. Um, and yes, it has to be a cooperative effort with NFPA or the, the governing bodies up here. And we have to get to something that's practical and pragmatic and works and is safe. Um, but it, we shouldn't just, oh, it's it's more risky, so we shouldn't do it. Now, as a society, you know, we wouldn't have wouldn't have come to North America if we didn't take the risk of, you know, sailing across the ocean. Like we, we need to take risks as a society to move things forward. Uh, we just have to do it in a way that's that's measured and, and, and logical. Oh. And, and speaking yeah. of logic. I remembered it was the SAMA logic diagram. SAMA drawings, that's, you bet. That's you what bet. I was thinking. That's what I was trying to think of. It came to me. Indeed. So, uh, yeah. yeah no, so yeah, you're you're right that that that's you know when we we get running with new technology, and and you know hydrogen's literally just one of them. That it that it is. You do have to pay attention to the risk. And and the good news again is that we haven't run into anything that it's that we're going. Boy, we are pushing the boundaries of. Uh, of what makes sense from a risk standpoint or a safety standpoint. Um, right now, we feel comfortable that as as a world, we're doing a good job of controlling that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, exactly. And so um, you talked about, you know, you've been burning hydrogen for a while, and yet, you know, kind of your story and, and your, your, you know, engagement, I think, is continuing to evolve. I mean, are, are there things you're doing that you can talk about, I guess, but are there things you're doing from, a, from an R&D perspective in terms of, you know, new technology or new ways of doing things or new metallurgy or, you know, anything in terms, anything exciting coming down the pipe, uh, to use a, a bad pun on the R&D side for Cleaver? <laughs> down the, the tube, the boiler down tube. Yeah, tube, right, that's the best. You know, yeah, it, it's the cool thing about Cleaver Brooks is we do, we have a pretty extensive R&D. Because a lot on the combustion side of hydrogen, um, and so, you know, that again is, is not necessarily to figure out, can we burn it? We've got that down, but again, it, burning it efficiently, it, uh, is, is a key. I mean, even if we're looking at natural gas, if, uh, if we're, we're figuring out how to reduce carbon footprint, uh, everybody talks about this, that the, the best thing is to not burn fuel, right? It's to make it more efficient. And it, uh, and so we're always, we're always working to make those systems, uh, more efficient, but also from a safety standpoint, as we've talked about. Um, and, you know, the the cool thing is, and, and I, I alluded to this earlier, that hydrogen is something we talk a lot about, um, but we're on the edge, right? It uh, and, and you guys see that. We we are, are blessed to be part of a, a project here in North America that is, uh, will be the first cogen facility burning pure hydrogen so it's a, it's gas turbines and we're doing the hrsgs with duct burners uh and scrs burning designed for burning 100 percent hydrogen so we're we're excited about that because it's kind of that first one that uh is taking it beyond the step of just talking about it and it uh and so everybody's watching the project and it's it's we're we're very excited to be part of that I'm, I'm not going to ask you this. I'm not going to ask you to say who it is, but you, you can say it's a Canadian project. You, you, I think you can say that. I think I can say that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but you're right. Uh, <laughs> again, again, the Canadian pride is coming through. So, you know, the, but the the cool thing is about that, and I'll, I'll is I was I was in Houston here a few weeks ago. Everybody's talking about that project. You know, oh, so okay. it is it is okay. you know the, you're right. There's some Canadian pride that they're taking that first step, and everybody is paying very close attention to how it works That's awesome. um, so that they can know what to do next. Yeah. Exciting. Cool. And, and on the R and D side, are you, is that like a, a desktop exercise or are you actually, is there stuff, test cells and stuff that you're, you're actually 
doing real work, you know, in Nebraska or elsewhere, actually trying stuff out? Yeah. So again, from a corporate level with Cleaver Brooks, we do have the ability to test fire some equipment. Okay. Um, and so that, you know, that's where we, our R&D folks, you know, I, I, as we've talked about either on here or before that, you know, we nerd out about certain things. Boy, those guys are on a whole new level, right? <laughs> it's, right. Uh, they, they, they talk about things that just make me scratch my head and but having some hands-on, having the ability to do some test firing, um, you know, to test some some equipment is is we think is a key part of that. And and Cleaver Brooks is again very blessed to be able to have that capability in house. Uh, you know, a lot of what we do is is on paper and computer modeling, um, but it it comes down to what we can do in a, in a real life situation is is pretty important. Yeah, and I, what's exciting for me is is you know with the the continued growth in in artificial intelligence, I think you're, you mentioned computer modeling. I think that's just gonna you know take a step function in 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 terms of how quickly we can we can iterate and look at things. And then you know I, I don't think that's gonna replace uh, testing stuff in real life, but I think it's definitely gonna expedite us to the right you know solution. That's you know I think about how quickly. Uh, uh, Edison would have invited invented the light bulb, you know, and, and found found tungsten if he had AI, right? Like there you, you know, go, there uh, you go. I think that's probably a chicken and egg thing, but um, yeah. Okay, well let's let, let's talk a minute. Let's kind of step back then for a minute. And you've hinted at this a little bit, and you mentioned the one project you got on the go, but you know the hydrogen thing, as you mentioned, we're on the edge. There's a lot of talk about it, um, but you know from your perspective. What's actually happening? And, and I mean, you mentioned the one project, but beyond that, are we seeing more blending of it? Or is that what we're going to go first? Or, you know, is it, are we, I know we're not supposed to mention color anymore as it relates to hydrogen, but, you know, are we going to see more blue hydrogen first before we see green hydrogen? Or kind of from, from the Cleaver Brooks, Paul Brown, 30,000 foot, like what's, What's happening now, or what's about to happen in the industry as it relates to hydrogen? That's you know, yeah, I'll, I'll share, I'll share my thoughts. I wouldn't go buy stock in anything based on it, but <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, you know, it, it, it is, it's cool because again, it's, it, there's a lot of talk. Hydrogen, there's, there's some things that are happening. Um, you know, I did a webinar, and it's literally been a two years ago, maybe that uh, we had, a, we had a bunch of people involved. Some. 500 folks or whatever. And we, we talked about, you know, some of the little more detail, even technical on the fire and hydrogen, and they were able to ask questions. And the, the biggest question was, where do we get the hydrogen? Right. Yes. Which is, is you know, not, not the boiler guy's thing to answer. But, you know, I, I think what we're seeing is people are designing or, or wanting their equipment that they're buying new designed for, for 100% hydrogen. And I think they're doing that saying, we don't know. We may be We'll be able to blend some hydrogen. Um, right now, I think they're they're showing their management and their shareholders that hey, we're taking steps mm. to be ready for this. And so that's that's where you know I'm going to say the day to day impact that we're seeing. Um, and what does what does that look like, Paul? Like are they are they buy are they overbuying now or are they you know are they leaving spools to to put you know like what does that practically look like to buy a boiler today that's ready for hydrogen tomorrow? Yeah, you know, and that's that's a great question. It uh, they just they want somebody to say it's ready, and so you know the thing is, it is we're all we're all driven by our pocketbooks, right? And so you very seldom see somebody that goes, we don't know where we're going to get hydrogen, but give me a fuel train and and controls for hydrogen. Right. What they want is to say, when we have hydrogen, we want to be able to put in a fuel train and controls. And so we we go through a process and make sure that that's that's a viable thing, um, and and some people are taking the step of saying, hey, we want to be completely set up for it, because they anticipate that happening faster. You know, again, depending on where they're at in the world. Um, so that's uh, and well, then you know, go ahead. You know, the the thing we didn't didn't talk about, and I'll just bring it up really Please. briefly is is the, you know, it's new equipment, right? So it's it's we can we can build you a boiler that's ready for hydrogen. Where we we see, I don't know where I see the the world struggling a little bit is to go. Hey, my boiler's only two years old. Uh, I want to burn hydrogen in it. 
you know, no, nobody wants to just throw their boiler out and, and start new because of the hydrogen uh, approach. And so that, I, and, and I know you guys play a big part in that too. I'm, I'm talking with your uncle from time to time. <laughs> and uh, of the, what do we do with that? Where, how right. do we change our boilers? And, and that's literally a much more complicated thing than saying we'll design from a, the beginning. Um, and where, you know, if you think about the fuel train, the burner and the, the furnace section, I mean, where's the or maybe it's the the stack in terms of an emission where's where's the where's the rub as it relates to kind of a retrofit option yeah you know it it is it starts with the burner technology and going hey the burner is capable of doing it you know so we find sometimes that we have to say the idea is get rid of the burner put a new burner on um so then it becomes that thing of if i mix a small amount i'm okay if i mix all half of it that i'm okay but if i mix a lot then i'm not okay right. and then like you said the emissions you know it's the system wouldn't have been set up for driving those nox numbers down and so somehow we have to accommodate that as well um right so that's yeah so so you're so you're not seeing you're not seeing anybody buy 100 percent hydrogen boilers right now you're really what you're really seeing is people want to be able to demonstrate that they are ready for it um that doesn't currently mean second fuel train you know second bms it means hey i've 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 done the things that are going to be really expensive to change in the future i'm not i'm not done spending money if i have to put hydrogen in but i'm i've minimized my future spend for adding hydrogen in the future is that kind of what you're seeing yeah i i I would agree you know i i will say there are a couple of folks out there that have bought boilers in the last year or two that would say it's ready it's ready cool. for 100 okay. percent okay. um but it's uh, the primarily the drive is just what you said that they want to be ready uh they want to show that they've they've thought it out so that they're not stuck with something that they can't change down the road um and so that's that's really what we see a lot of and, and i think that's a you know looping back to the original discussion around project development i think that's why it's so important to engage you know the key stakeholders early is I have, I have been around, as you likely have, you know, many, you know, folks like your dad, you know, who are operating plants today. And one of the big laments is lack of flexibility because, you know, the world changes, the energy world changes, and, you know, the, the more flexibility, and it's always a trade-off because flexibility is not cheap. It costs money. Um, but I think that's where when you're developing a project, connecting with yourselves and say, hey, this might be a future state. This might be a future state. What can we do now? And, and let's do a cost benefit of it. But what can we do now to build future flexibility um, to the extent that we could? Who, who knows? Like, you know, when you're when, when we were putting in the you know, when we had the cogen heyday in Ontario here, nobody was talking about hydrogen. Right. So, and so you, no. you can't you can't anticipate every eventuality. There's something that's going to happen that you know my kids are going to listen to this podcast in the future and say dad like how, how did you not know that was coming right like indeed so, so you can't prep for anything but i think that's a, that's an important piece of engaging with you guys early to support project development and build that flexibility into into project i've watched what you guys do and, and i'm always amazed it uh because that that seems to be what must keep you up at night is just that is how do you how do you present literally so many options to right. somebody that, that is again very nervous about what they're doing because they're only going to do it once yeah. um and so yeah I, I as an oem we always admire <laughs> what folks like cem do for a living and, uh, yeah fascinating. That, that that and payroll keep me up at night um <laughs> <laughs> so but anyways we, we digress paul paul what else you know as we start to uh to land the plane here what else uh were you hoping that we would chat about that we we haven't had a chance to cover yet today. Uh, you know, it, it, this has been good. And, and as you could tell, if I could just make a living sitting here talking about these kinds of things, boy, I'd, I would do it. It's it's so, <laughs> so interesting. And, you know, the thing that I, I can I tend to sound like an old guy sometimes, but if I look at the last 30 years as I've been in the industry, that uh, the things have changed a lot. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes that change has gone slow. And, and right now, I think we'd say that change has gone fast or is going fast. Um, and so it's exciting to see, you know, as, as kids come out of uh, engineering school, young mechanical engineers, 
you know, I've had people go, boy, boilers would be the worst thing to do for a living, right? Because they're going to die. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm confident that's not true. <laughs> not people true. need steam and, and, you know, it, it's, it's on us to, uh, to use our abilities to figure out how to keep it going forever because it, it, it there's such a need. There's such a need. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, I, I, go ahead. Oh, no, that's, that's. Well, I, yeah, that was a, that was a great, a great, uh, summary to kind of conclude our discussion. Um, and, uh, yeah, that, that perspective is helpful, right? Yeah. Yes. We have to do projects and get stuff done, but we also have to have these discussions to, to learn from each other and to share information and share ideas. And, you know, I've, I've made a bunch of notes here as we're talking of things that it's like, oh, you know, that connects to this and, and that connects to that client and we should look at that. And, um, that doesn't happen in isolation, right? That happens through these types of discussions. And so, Indeed. so if, if, if our listeners, Paul, want to continue that discussion, you know, with you, uh, what's the best way, you know, uh, are you willing to share your email or LinkedIn best, like what's the best way to get a hold of you? Yeah. You know, it, it LinkedIn is a great way. If, uh, find me on there. I, I do. I like posting some little videos about what's going on in our shop every once in a while. Right, um, yeah. I love it's just videos. kind of a fun hobby, but you know what? Email me. It's pbrown at cleaverbrooks.com. Uh, call me, you know, that's, again, that's, that's why we're here. Right but, on. Uh, so I love it. I love it. Well, as always, it's never boring talking to you, Paul. I always enjoy it. I'm always left, um, slightly, you know, more educated, uh, than, than I don't want to say I'm smarter, but I'm definitely more educated, <laughs> uh, after having chatted with you and, uh, certainly an enjoyable time. So thank you again for, for Indeed. joining the energy radio like, podcast. Like I said, I, I can check this off my bucket list now. And, there you go. Uh, there you and, go. And go on to the next. So right thank on. you. Appreciate uh, appreciate the opportunity, Matt. Awesome. And and thank you to our listeners. This has been a, another episode of Energy Radio, where today I was joined by Paul Brown of Cleaver Brooks, where we had a chance to talk about all things uh, thermal and hydrogen and how those two are converging. So until, uh, until next time, uh, we hope that everybody stays safe and we hope that everybody's doing their parts to uh, make the world a better and more functional place. Thank you.